This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis along with Warren Harper and Leonard Davis. And this is Altitude Adjustment, the twice a week podcast talking about people, politics, and professions. And we look forward to you a really great show today. And we appreciate you joining us. Today's show, the topic is COVID calamity. And I put a question mark. And the whole idea behind the podcast was to talk about um, so we're two years into uh, this COVID, uh, um, what's, it, what's it called, uh, pandemic. And I just kind of wanted to, to uh, you know, see what are some of the experiences that we've had. Uh, and, um, you know, do we think that, that things have cha- changed any? Have we grown as a society? Have we learned anything that's going to be useful in the in the future? Or are we just, um, this was just a complete waste of time and energy. And, and uh, you know, so that's where, where I'm th- thinking that we are today uh, about the topic. So welcome, gentlemen. Hey. Welcome. So are you saying uh, waste of energy? You're you referring to... Um how we react to things that are going on or exactly talking about. how, we, how, what was our reaction as a, a global society? What was our reaction to um, mitigation efforts to try to save people's lives? Well, there was mixed reactions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's true. People on one side, uh, there were, all for it. Then you had people on the other side who were just flat out not going along with the program and protesting. Right. And so one of the things that we were talking about um, just before we lit up the microphone was the, the truckers, um, mm-hmm. the, in, in um, Canada, they're now sending right. the Canadian police to remove these guys so that they can free up things, which makes sense for any protest that's blocking something that's blocking commerce or blocking access to roads uh, and things like that. You eventually have to move those people out of the way. And the whole idea of the, of the protest isn't to just stop things, but to bring attention to a cause or, or something like that. So they've, they've brought attention to that. And so Mm -hmm. we're moving on, um, to the next phase of that, which is, you know, now people get arrested, but overall, how do you think we've fared as a, you know, the United States fared as dealing with COVID or dealing with a pandemic? Well, I think compared to, um, most countries, uh, most higher level nations like ours, we probably would get on a report card, we'd probably get a C minus at best, you know, because we've had so many issues regarding uh, policies and whether the vax, not vax, mandate, mass, you know, not to mandate. And people are literally fighting 
in the school boards. They're fighting out on the streets and public. And it's just really ugly. So what's your thoughts, Leonard? I just, you just move them. I mean, you just move them. <laughs> well, I mean, not... I mean, as far as how you've seen um, the response to the pan, you know, uh, mitigation me- methods on the pandemic, you know, how, what kind of, I don't, so Warren says we got to see minus. He feels that, you know, if we were grading on the ABC scale, that the United States was like right in the middle of doing the right thing and not doing the right thing. So what, how do, you know, what do you see as our efforts in dealing with the pandemic? I think we should just be moving people and uh, getting them out the way. And if you don't want to get shots, fine. Stay out the way. Don't block other people from getting shot. Okay. Because I was one of those people that had to go lay up and get some health care and get the shot. Mm-hmm. So what, what was, what was, so we're two years in, how, how do you feel, um, you know, we've done, what are some of the experiences that you've had that you feel about the whole pandemic thing? Just going in, it was, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm-hmm. We should have went on here and got the shot and kept us from getting it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't one of the worst people that got it. But I definitely wanted to be one of the people that got the pan that got the uh shot instead of the instead of in a way to get a proper cure. What you speaking about your personal experience? Uh, I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. were you hesitant to get the shot? I wasn't. Oh, you were. Matter of fact, the time I went to the hospital, mm-hmm. I was set up to go get the shot that week. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, I caught it before I get right get to right. the get to the hospital and get the shot. Right. So I like the idea of a, a, an ounce of a pre- prevention and pound of cure kind of thing. Um, and so early on, we had the opportunity to shut things down. And mm-hmm. I, I think it would have taken a bigger effort. Uh, it, it couldn't have been the United States closing off its borders and no one else doing the same thing. China had already went into lockdown. Uh, and uh, some other countries started to go into lockdown, but there were other countries that refused. They just wouldn't go along with the lockdown. So, so there was always going to be until we had a global response, there was always going to be this opportunity for things to get 
pretty hairy. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, well, I, I don't feel that we have a real global response right now because uh, everything's out of sync. You know, some people are saying, you know, removing the mandates, uh, go out, you don't have to wear a mask. Some people are still trying to enforce mask policies and people are rebelling. So I, I think there's no uniformity in policy and it hasn't been that way for the most part. You know, people are just kind of reacting and reacting to the reactions. <laughs> well, I, 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 I understand. I think I fully understand <clears throat> it would, it's difficult to, to get a global response. So like the more people that you include into something, the less likely you are to get to, to have one idea bubble up to the top. So in order to, um, you know, some countries are going to say, well, you know, we don't have as many people that are, uh, that have the, the high risk factors. So why should we shut our borders mm -hmm. to help you? You know, so, so I thought, uh, I think a global response would have been difficult, but I think a global response was probably necessary because as we see, it, it was, it became a global pandemic. It, there was nobody, no country that wasn't touched by it. So, so it, it would have been interesting to, I can't say interesting. Uh, so I'm trying to pick the words. Uh, I, it, it would have been necessary to at least try to put together a mm -hmm. global strategy for dealing with the situation. And I think we as a country, um, as a, as a global leader, because you, you hear that a lot about how the United States is a global leader, how we're a global leader in business, how we're a global leader in science, et cetera, blase, blase. As a global leader, as, as a country that, you know, wants to be in the forefront of, of everything that goes on in the world, we completely dropped the ball completely. We spent more time denying that, that it was dangerous mm -hmm. than trying to build a coalition around saving the world. Yeah. Well, that, that all, um, uh, points to leadership. You know, when you have, um, leadership that doesn't have a clue as to, um, what's really going on or, or wants to be blind, blinded by the light more or less it's right in front of him, but he can't see it and still denying it. That, that made it real complicated, you know? Yeah, then you had all the conspiracy mm -hmm. theories coming into play, and and that's what I mean. So, so rather than taking the lead, rather than leading, by you know even by example, um, trying to build coalitions with other countries, at the leadership at the time, um, even denied that it was a problem when they knew it was a problem, and so. Yeah pretty much ensured that we were going to experience the worst of the pandemic. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, there was there was a lot of denial going on from the beginning. I mean, mm -hmm. it started in China and they covered it up as long as they could, which really uh, set the whole world behind mm -hmm. because the virus was spreading all that time. Mm -hmm. And had they uh, let the news out, people could have started watching out and, and figuring out how to react. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. by the time it really it got really discovered, it was like all over the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. That was a big problem. China right. did not want to discuss it. They didn't want to let people know what was going on. And before you know it, it was all over the place. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then and then with that being the case, knowing that uh, that it was spreading the way it was, because there was evidence early that it was spreading quickly. Um I did not see any country stepping forward to say, you know, we need a global strategy for this. Uh, and, and we need to, at least, even if they had just built a strategy between our partners, mm -hmm. you know, there was no reaching out to, to our partners around the world and say, Hey, you know, let's try to find a helpful way to help each other. You know, right. there right. was no, mm -hmm. there was no sharing of, uh, PPEs, personal protective. Mm -hmm. There was no, there was no, uh, uh, when, we, when we got the vaccines, there was, it wasn't, it was like, we'll vaccinate our people. And then once our people are vaccinated, then maybe we'll throw some vaccines someplace else. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was no, there was no seeing that, that, in order to contain this, it it can't be just about us. Right. Yeah, that's true. That is true. It's kind of like every man for himself. You know, mm -hmm. we're going to do our thing. And, you know, if you don't want to do it, you know, do your thing. And the, a resource issue as far as availability of the vaccines when they came out, mm -hmm. you know, America is at the top of the economic chain. We had the connections with the pharmaceutical companies. So naturally we got all of the vaccines, but then we had a whole lot of vaccine hesitancy at the same time. And uh, maybe could have been sharing some of that while people figured out they needed it, you know? I, I, you know, you, I, you're I, excellent point. <laughs> let me let me let me put it that way. I, I, you have just said something and it's just like, oh you you know, you open up this box and there's like so many things I want to say. So yeah, I I because of our economic system, somebody feels like they gotta make money. And so instead of sharing, instead of being able to put into play uh, something that is saves people first and we worry about compensation later, it was, you know, we're going to do our thing and worry about compensation first because they were even arguing about um, who's going to pay for it when they were arguing about creating it. Right. So, yeah, pretty much. So, so yeah, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. 
and so in in the scope of things, I don't know if we've learned anything from that. So the question is, are we going to learn anything from that? Now I realize, <clears throat> I realize we're not out of the pandemic. So doing a quote unquote autopsy or going back and looking at uh, best practices and what we learn and what we need to, to make modifications to going down the road haven't been done. And and you don't hear anybody talking about it because we're still arguing about people taking the freaking vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. We're still arguing about simple stuff, right? We still got truckers. Mm-hmm. We, we got a, a group of truckers stopping interstate commerce when the economy has already been hurt. Everybody's economy has already been hurt uh, because they, they don't have workers to unload trucks and they don't have enough truckers to move stuff. <clears throat> and, and so they're going to make a statement in an already weakened economy, you know, that's, that's not back to normal. And we haven't, um, given the okay that everything is all back to normal or at least to a reasonable standard of uh, long-term viability, yeah. you know, and right. so, and so, you know, how, how do I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna ask a Warren question. How, how do we fix that? <laughs> how, how do we fix that? Short answer is can't fix stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're living and learning, and this is a long lesson because the pandemic is not going anywhere, and uh, we're still trying to figure out who's right, you know, who's, who's in charge, what you can and cannot be told to do. That's the big issue right now. You got people that just don't want to comply. That's a bad word nowadays, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, when I look at, let's take police brutality. Okay. This is kind of off the subject, but I feel like if I want to save my life, I'm in a confrontation with the police, no matter how wrong they may be, I might have to comply just to live okay. and deal with it another day. Okay. So, so, um, complying being a part of the discussion uh, and, and this example is just an example of that, uh, complying for, um, for the, you know, people to live. So I, I can understand that. I grab that. Um, and so the question then becomes, uh, well, I'm going to say becomes so, so one of the, one of the issues is, um, we could have, or we could have solved the situation a lot sooner if we would have more buy-in and that's a, my business word buy-in from more people about a solution. So part of the problem was communication. 
communicating masks and wearing masks and uh, uh, mitigation strategies like staying indoors and not going out. So there was that communication aspect of it that was fraught because it, you know, people feel like it changed from moment to moment. So they didn't know who to trust. And so rather than trust anyone or anything, they just went with their own gut instinct. And we know people's gut instinct is all over the map. Every person's gut tells them something completely different. So there was never going to be any kind of solidarity there. And that's, and that, so I recognize that, but, um, I also understand that science is not exact, that the whole masking thing, the whole, uh, you know, staying six feet, that kind of stuff, you know, that, that came about slowly, you know, it didn't start out that way. Cause if, at, at first it didn't, it didn't have the six foot rule. I think the very first thing that came in was, uh, to stay indoors. They were, I think that was the very first part of it. Right. You yeah. Remember stay indoors, isolate, isolate. From, right. From other people. Right. And right. then there was the, you know, these are the symptoms. So if you're, if your system symptoms, you know, stay away, that kind of stuff. And then there was a concern that, that the virus uh, lived on surfaces and that you can get it that way. And then they later came back and said, you know, no, it doesn't live on surfaces. And I understand that. I understand, you know, sometimes you do things out of, of an abundance of caution um, because of previous experiences. And then you find out that you don't have to do that anymore. And that's, and that's reasonable. But what that does for some people is it's a license to ignore anything that comes after that mm -hmm. because now they have to, they believe you didn't give them good information. And so you're not reliable. I, I think that's part of the problem with this virus is that it's very beginnings came out of, uh, out of the shadows, really, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. China covered it up. They hid it. Then, uh, they, pointed toward this market where the, nothing seemed to have changed over all these years. And all of a sudden we get this wild mutation, but then the news comes out. People do realize that they got this viral lab right down the road or a few miles. And so, and even the United States had some involvement there, but they seem to be so hush hush on everything that was going on. And then all of a sudden, Everybody start creating their, the science started being developed. And I think people were just very skeptical on trust because of the way that this whole thing evolved, it was a trust issue. And, and so, yeah, I, I think that was uh, probably where I was trying to go. Um, but if, if, so if the science community is learning OJT on the job. And, you know, we've, they've never dealt with anything this significant. 
on that that scale, they're they're going to operate from a uh, position of caution, and so they're going to say some things that they're later going to have to go back on. Well, yeah, that's you know I, I understand that, but if if you look back through history, people have a lot of reasons to be suspicious of the science community as well. Why is that? Because because of things they've done over time, you know, the Tuskegee experiment, Henrietta Lacks and all sorts of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. that they've done a lot of undercover bad things. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are looking at them like just not trusting them, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's all filed under conspiracy theories when you don't trust the government, but people feel like they, they have a good reason. Well, you, you now you're equating the science community and, and government. So I, I'm, I'm going to say at this point, you have to disjoin those two. Well, yeah, you can, but then the major agencies in charge are governmental agencies and they all work together. You know, you have, you've got the F, um, CDC, the WHO, you have, uh, other organizations. And then now, those aren't government organizations. Those are, those are medical organizations though, aren't they? Well, but but they speak on, but the government, government they speak on behalf of the government policies. Well, okay, so the CDC is a is a is it it is a private organization, is a private medical organization, or is it a is it a government medical organization? It's a government medical organization, mm-hmm. and their goal is to get governmental things out regarding science. I'm sorry, what? Their purpose is getting governmental regulation out regarding science. Mm -hmm. But they're, but they're, as far as a government agency, they're more advisory than they are. Um, uh, what do you want to turn it is, um, Scientific? No, they're more advisory. So they advise on science. They're not, they don't make science policy. They they advise. So yeah. So I the government gets it. information from them to create policy. Right. They're not they're not a government agency in the sense that they operate as a function of the government. Right. But on the other hand, the FDA actually does. They're controlled by the government. Right. That is a government agency. The CDC is not a, it's, it is an advisory agent and not a, and not a function of the government. And so while that may be, there may be a subtle difference there, there is enough of a difference to actually separate the two. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when we conflate those two, then we, um, then we put um, put that information in doubt when it's not necessarily should be in doubt. You know, we 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 we're creating an association between the the organization and and another entity that isn't. That that isn't um, what's the term I'm looking for? 
cause it it doesn't one doesn't cause the other one to be um all righty it'll come to me <laughs> but so so you i understand what you're saying um like the tuskegee and and uh you know some of the other things that have been done in the name of science Mm-hmm. which has caused people to um you know like uh distrust and some of the early vaccines you know or are you you have a situation where um the the pharmaceutical company jacked up the price of a oh the epipens let's take the epipens so the the EpiPen situation, then you've got uh, uh, Joe Manchin and his his daughter were mm-hmm. right, right connected with that. So so Joe, Joe Manchin, so so Joe Manchin gets a gets a bad name in in the government because he has a relationship in the private sector and the pharmaceuticals. Um, then, then there starts to be this um, growth and distrust between the two. Now, I'm not saying that the pharmaceutical company, uh, pharmaceutical companies, haven't done enough to create their own bad will and bad mm-hmm. faith, but mm-hmm. they're not doing enough to um, get out to the com- to the the consumers that they're that they should be trusted. Well, yeah, that's hard to do when your main focus is uh, mega profits, you know, and, and folks can't afford the drugs that they make. So, you know, that's just automatic. And 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 the, and the thing about um, the exact same, the, the cost of a drug in Canada may be hundreds of dollars cheaper uh-huh. than in, here in the United States. And right. then they come up with some jackass uh, explanation of why that is. Right. And who, mm-hmm. who controls the cost of drugs in Canada? I, well, I would say the, I would say the government. Okay. But over here, it's a whole different relationship between yeah. the government and the drug companies. You know, it's all about the paper. Well, and we pay. Also, also, uh, we have people actively working to create doubt about the legitimacy of the government. So, so, so the government hired private contractors. Mm-hmm. Hire a lot of private contractors to do work, right? So they hire private contractors to create the uh, Affordable Care Act website. Those are contractors, private contractors, right? Mm -hmm. When those private contractors failed, their initial efforts failed, it didn't, it wasn't private industry that took the hit. Right. It was the government that took the hit. Right. 
because the government hired them and people felt they were responsible. Not saying right, right but or the, wrong. But, but the thing is, is that it further hurts, harms the trust of the government because you, you, I've heard a lot of people say uh, that the government can't do things as well as private industry. But the government hires private industry for much of the work that is done. Uh, sure, sure. Military spending. You know, those are a lot of, I remember back for the $700 hammer and the $1,000 toilet and all that kind of stuff. Those were private contractors. Yeah. But the blame but the, went to the government because people wanted to, uh, they couldn't blame private industry because they were backing private industry. Right. right. Well, if your, your congressman goes out and hires a contractor that's going to charge you $50,000 for a job that's only worth $10,000, I mean, how could you not blame the politician? Right. And then those politicians... After they've uh, fattened up a company, mm-hmm. leave the leave the uh, the government work and gets a job at that company they just fattened up, right? The American mm-hmm. way. So 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 now we have a situation where people who have been a part of government have gotten into office created the distrust of that of of government and pushed for you know letting private industry do any and everything that they want to do then they use their their elected position to go um you know build up their credibility to to to, uh, go work for the private industry and the government has taken the hit the people have a, a distrust of their government and the people that screw things up are in the private industry, which they've pushed as the solution to the problem of government being inefficient. <laughs> so then we come to a situation where government now has to manage a pandemic and they don't have the trust of the people because of years of undermining the trust of the government for the private sector, who was the problem in the first place. So being able to try to manage this pandemic to mitigate the problems was the biggest cluster fuck it could be. Does that make sense? Well, you you we're dependent on people to make the best decisions and the best choices. And right now, you can't get uh, people to, to, to agree on anything. We're so divided, you know. Uh, it's, it's, 
It's ridiculous. That's just the political climate we are we are in right now. People are not agreeing on anything. People are protesting everything and people are fighting in the streets. So we're, we're gonna be in this pandemic for a while. It's my prediction because people just can't make the right choices or figure out what's right. I, 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 I don't have any idea about the, the length of time that we're gonna be in a pandemic. I think, I think there are a lot of people that are working very hard no, I, I know there are a lot of people that are working very hard to to bring this under um, manageable, a manageable solution. The, yeah, the, the, absolutely. The, but the, they have a lot of opposition. Absolutely. And that's and that's what I'm trying to get at is those people that are that are that opposition. So so you got these truckers saying that they're not going to take the, the they're not going to take the. Um, um, vaccine. vaccine and they're making their they're making it very public that that's not what they're going to do and so they're actually making it difficult to be able to build solutions because as long as and I'm not saying you, if you have concerns you just have to shut up so that we can build mm-hmm. solutions I'm saying make sure that you're not that 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 whatever and i'm sure they believe that they're absolutely sure mm-hmm. but be concerned be concerned or cautious about the long term um what you may be creating in the long term for your short term behavior sure sure right Oh, yeah. I mean, you you know, you preach it to the choir. Um, these people that uh, are opposing mandates and don't want to um, submit to wearing masks and things like that, they're causing a lot of people to suffer. But they feel that their civil liberties and their freedom is is more important. So this is where we are. So I'm sorry, what, Leonard? I say that's a false argument, the civil liberties and the freedoms. Whenever they don't want to go with something, they come up with civil liberties, religious liberty, and their freedom. Well, that's that's the way they feel. They feel that they they have a right to do pretty much what they want to do, and the government cannot mandate or dictate to them that's that's the whole thing and i keep saying i i believe all of this goes back to the founding of the country when um the settlers were fighting for independence from britain they had a saying give me liberty or give me death and the key three words there are me Liberty and death. Me, 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 me. Selfishness. Hmm. Liberty, freedom. Freedom to do what I want to do. Selfishness again. And then the death is the the nail 
when people are willing to die for what they believe in and you disagree with them, then you got a problem. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I understand that. Um, but here's my thought. So, so I understand how my liberties, I have to understand how my liberties impact the, the community around me, right? So, so, so I have freedom of choice. I have freedom of choice and I will fight for that freedom of choice. But if my choice kills my neighbors, mm-hmm. so you can't, you can't burn your leaves in your, on your, on your property. The reason you can't burn your leaves, burn leaves on your property is because the wind could blow those leaves, those, uh, you know, lit leaves into other people's properties and, and, and spread the fire. So, so you, your liberty to burn leaves is then modified so that you are not able to harm other people. But as Leonard Malotes notes and, um, is that people are hanging on to liberties regardless of who they hurt. They don't, they have the me, my attitude. Right. And, and where I understand, you know, um, people feel like more and more of their liberty is being taken away and more and more of the things that are being controlled. And there's a reason for those controls. It's so that everybody can um, enjoy the pursuit of happiness. And, and some people don't care about other people's pursuit of happiness, only my pursuit of happiness. Right. And I think that a difficult thing is, is where do we draw the line on, um, you know, what, what, how to, how to manage people's liberties. So you can't burn leaves on your, on your own lawn. Um, you can't, you know, burn leaves. And so that was necessary because some people wanted to, you know, it's my, my property, my leaves, I can light my leaves the way I want to. Mm-hmm. And so we had to have that, we had to pass that law. I don't know what the conversation was like, uh, but, but I know we have that law. But now we're not trying to discuss how our liberties are impacting other people. It's just, I don't want to do it regardless of who it helps or who it saves. I just want to do it. The me, my, I syndrome. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when you throw in the, the lack of trust with people you're dealing with, that makes it even more difficult to think as they think, because they're looking at 
you with the side eye because uh the, you know there's no trust i you know i know what you're up to you did this and you're doing that and it's it's not uh a good relationship when you just don't have trust and you're selfish at the same time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i agree i i don't so while I understand, you know, it was important. So, so we were doomed to the the pandemic being out of control because people felt like you can't tell me what to do. I understand uh, the, the concept of I'm not willing to give up any of my liberties, even on the short term. Because if I give them up, you may eventually not want to give them back. So I understand that reticence. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of things that we haven't tried to define in our society. And, and some of the things that we're still working on defining as far as liberties and things of that nature. Um, and so and so I understand where the breakdown and I'm gonna say breakdown, where the difficulty in communicating how to resolve a problem where people have to do things that they didn't have to do before. So um, asking people to to shelter at home. Well, I, I can go out on the street if that's what I wanna do. Well, we're asking you to shelter at home for Reasons X, Y, one, two, and three. And people going, I don't want to do it. How do you get them to understand that it is necessary to ward off something that's going to do an, an inordinate amount of damage? I, what What is the last count for the number of people that have died of COVID? Uh I quit tracking it. I'm not sure. It was it was several hundred thousand, couple of million, was it? You can you can you look it up real quick? Sure. Yeah, because if I if I if I look it up, the 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 video will go black. You mean in the U.S.? Yeah, in the U.S. Mm. Okay, let's see. Let's give you. Okay, it looks like uh, that doesn't cases this. Well, okay, right now, the graph I'm looking at shows 915,000 in the last 30 days. That's not a total, but that's just 30 days. Okay, so, you, so what, what kind of search did you do? I just said U.S. COVID deaths. Let's see. Let me put to date in here, see what happens. 
Okay. Okay, as of February 9th, 2022, number of confirmed and presumptive positive cases, well, that's positive cases, deaths. Mm -hmm. How do they have to break all this down? Okay. <laughs> Looks like as of February 9th, okay, 906,000. Does that sound right? Well, I'm counting on you. I, I haven't looked at it recently. Yeah. Total um, deaths, 906,000 is what I'm thinking. Okay. So that's, we're, we're creeping up on a million. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, is that, that that was a million deaths avoidable. Sure. Right? There's a million, yeah. a million well, deaths avo probably avoidable. And I'm going to say probably. I, I don't know if we could have avoided all those deaths. Okay. Why do you say that? I mean, uh, how, how so? Okay, so you're answering well, you're answering a question with a question. So what, so the question you said was, better? you said I you said we couldn't could not have avoided all those deaths. You you you're not sure we could have avoided all those deaths, and I'm asking you to explain why you said that. And then okay, well, first of all, first of all, when the COVID first hit, we knew so little about it. We had no drugs or medication, and people were just dying. Right. And it took a while, how long before we came out with the vaccine or any type of treatments. Right. So those people were just not going to die pretty much. Okay. But, but we also didn't take any mitigation strategies. We didn't do anything to try to ward it off. And we had an administration that actually tried to make things seem better when they knew it was getting worse. I agree to those circumstances. Okay, so I, so I there's. I still think some people would have died. Though. I'm not saying some people. I'm saying mo okay, so so what terminology can I use that would s be a comfortable for you that not all of those people had to die? Well, I mean, you could have said, well, many of those people may not have died. Okay. So do you believe a majority of those people didn't have to die? Now that's, that's tougher to calculate. Why, do, why is that tougher to calculate? Because it's hard to predict what, what number of people, any uh, precautions would have uh, prevented as far as hard. Okay. Numbers. So, so at this point, you're not convinced that there is mitigation strategies that could have minimized the damage of COVID. Oh, I agree. It could have minimized it, but to what extent? I don't know. I can't put a number on it. I wouldn't. Dare so how, it. how, how, how would you. So in your mind, what does minimization mean to you? One or two millions, thousands. It meant to me that Joe Biden, that if Joe Biden had a ticket and reacted to this presidency the same way, 
I'm sorry, what now? It, it seems to me that if Joe Biden, I mean Donald Trump, had reacted to this presidency the same way we're looking at simple, you know, we're looking at a very easy to understand ISIS number. The question is, uh, what number could, would you put on the uh, amount of deaths that wouldn't have occurred? That's that's all I'm saying. I think that's a, at a guess at best. Hmm. Okay. I I I. I if you if you go with the idea uh, that a an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. The idea is that is that you're going to have a much greater result by using uh, by attacking the problem early than by attacking the problem later. By attacking the problem early is that you prevent a lot of the damage. Oh, I agree with that. I'm not arguing that point. I'm just saying trying to put a number on it. I think would be a little bit, you know, defined. I, I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't I trying to. I, so, so there's a belief. So I'm, I'm saying that there's a belief that many of those deaths didn't have to happen. Sure. Now, I don't, I don't exactly know how many, but if I'm saying many of those deaths don't have, didn't have to happen, then that means that there was a lot of people that died that didn't have to die. I, I do agree. Okay. Okay. So, so if there was a lot of people that didn't have to die, um, then, and I've gotten way off of, uh, I have forgotten where all of this, the root of all of this, where it all started. But um, trust being an issue, so let me go back to that. Trust being uh -huh. an issue is part of the mitigation strategy. Trust has to be built that when people are asking other people to make changes in their life, that when they're asking those people to make those changes in your life, that it is intended for a good cause and necessary to that end. Mm -hmm. And all of the people who are um, making short-term gains at the expense of trust are doing more harm than it's not a victimless crime. It's not victimless, you know, when you, when you, um, break trust. Huh. So, so someone who, um, there is a moratorium on, uh, animal testing and <clears throat> someone does animal testing uh -huh. in violation of that, they're breaking a, a, a kind of a trust because the medical yeah. community is going, you know, people down the road who are not in the medical community are going to be able to go back and look and say, uh, you remember, uh, um, uh, the, the animal testing, you remember the, the violations that, uh, the drug companies oversold, uh, products and services. And that's why we don't trust. That's why we're not willing to work with you 
on trying to mitigation strategies? Yeah, I mean, people remember. Sure. And so, and so, one of the things that I think has been a uh, casualty of of our economic structure has been trust. And I, and I, I think we can have trust and still have the economic system. But the, but the, the difficulty has come that there are a lot of people who don't see trust as important as making money. Yeah. Uh, no, no doubt. No doubt. Um, I can think back on that conversation we were having about the um, people in Congress and the stock market, you know, mm -hmm. even, even in a situation where they say, well, I put it in a blind trust, people are not mm -hmm. going to like to trust them. <laughs> they're still playing ways, finding ways to manipulate, you know, the whole situation. Exactly. And that's, and that's what I'm talking about. You know, when, when, when you, when a person knows what is expected to, to maintain that trust, and then they work around that. They, they try to find ways to, they try to find loopholes to do what they want to do and have the, you know, have the, the blind trust and then still have their hand in there guiding things around for their benefit. Right. They, they're, they're helping to, um, they're helping to, um, di you know, distrust to be, to be fertile, to grow that kind of yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's practically part of the definition of a politician now, someone not to be trusted. Right. Unfortunately. Right. Right. All righty. Well, next week, uh, we've got Power Partners. That's that's going to be an interesting topic. And then we've got um, uh, a documentary. What do you call him? Director. Uh, yeah, uh, Brett Premack, uh, the video jazz guy. It's going to, uh, we're going to preview his, or we're going to talk about his um, documentary. Um, and, and we'll send out some information uh, during the week. Make sure you join us. I want to thank everybody for being here. We will be back next Friday. Any right. last comments, guys? All right. No, I'm good. <laughs> I am good. Uh, I think that uh, if we don't start trusting one another, it's not going to get any better. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.